Hello, hello, and happy Wednesday, my beautiful listeners. If you're in the States, you know we have a short week this week, which is ultra nice. Always love those. I hope you guys are feeling energized and excited to hear today's episode, which is so good, talking all about funnels. Now, I know I kind of swap back and forth between educational podcast episodes and then founder stories, founder tips, founder advice. If you guys like that, will you let me know? And if you prefer to hear one or the other, also let me know that feedback goes such a long way. But today on the podcast, we have Melissa Litchfield. She is an agency owner. She works with other agency partners and she is a funnels expert. She knows her stuff, you guys. So if you are a business owner and you've been trying to figure out, or maybe you've even heard the term funnels and you don't know what they are, then today's episode, I think, will help you quite a bit. We talk all about ads, marketing funnels, how you can take customers from being aware of your product to getting them to buy. It's a really good episode. And like I said, Melissa knows her stuff. So she's a great person to have on the podcast for this. I love your feedback. If you guys listen, you have questions, comments, let me know and I will catch you on the flip side. How did you get started in marketing? Oh my gosh, you're gonna laugh, but I have an undergraduate degree in criminology and a master's degree in public health. So I literally have Oh my god. <laughs> I have no like professional like educational background in marketing, but ironically I did get like my first taste of digital marketing with a network marketing company. So yeah. I pulled into like Beachbody. So it was a health and fitness coach for a couple years before I had Maddie, and that was taking, it was like slowly taking off, but I definitely still wasn't in a spot where I was like, I'm, I'm making six figures with this business. Like I just wasn't there yet. So it was always like a side hustle. Right. So that was one, my first taste of entrepreneurship and marketing, like just trying to learn how to market myself in general online. So it was my first taste into that. And then learning about freebies, lead magnets, what have you. I actually bought my first course ever was on Facebook ads. So I Oh, learned, interesting. Yeah. So I, l- I learned Facebook ads initially for like my own business, right? I was like, I'm going to learn how to do a like page ad. That was like a big thing back then. <laughs> oh my God. Wait, what year was this? Because I remember when like, when page likes were everything. 2014. You said what? 2014. Yeah. Like page likes were like, we need to get that number up. And now it's like laughable. Like no one's, li- yeah. no one's listening anymore. <laughs> yeah, it was very like, you know, everything back then was like all about vanity metrics, right? Like how many words yes. you had, how many likes you have on Facebook, how many likes you have on image, you know? So everything was so very different than it is, than what it is now. But mm-hmm. to get back to your question about like how I started marketing. So that was like my first stint. And then when I had Maddie, everything kind of like went on pause because I was like new mom mode. I need to learn how to take care of another human being. <laughs> 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 But actually, I made a connection with another baby brand that I was using, and they actually hired me to be their, like, marketing person. So cool. I ads for them. Yeah. And I was kind of like their micro-influencer. So we had plans to, like, you know, create a bunch of content together, like recipes for, you know, kids and moms and all that kind of stuff. But that kind of, like, got put on pause after a couple months because I did accept a full-time job at a marketing agency. So that was kind of how I got my start but it just like happened naturally kind of 
onto my lap. And what was the intrigue for you behind marketing? Like what was something that made you so curious about it? I think cause I was just, it was, it felt natural to me and I was mm. good at it. Like people would literally come up to me and be like, you're so good at Instagram, Melissa, like teach me how to do this. And I was like, I didn't think I was that good, but okay. <laughs> like I guess <laughs> how I'm attracting all these people on, on Instagram. But no, I feel like once, when I was working at the ad agency, I, it kind of like opened my eyes up to like funnels and paid traffic and like evergreen stuff. So I was like, wow, people are making like a buttload of money with like these lives that they're doing and these courses that they have. So it was like super intrigued and it honestly felt amazing. Like, and just good to like be able to like help somebody make that much money because it does impact their lives, right? Like a six figure lunch could potentially be buying a house for somebody. So that's pretty much what my clients were doing. And it just felt huge. When you put it in that context, it's insane to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So these six figure launches that we're helping other online coaches do with paid and organic traffic, when we're talking about live launches, it just, I'm literally like most of my clients were like either doing a down payment on a house or they were like retiring their husbands or, or, you know, just had this another amazing opportunity to travel or to do X, Y, and Z. So it definitely, I, I could see the impact that these launches were having on other people's lives. And I was like, this, this is really cool to be a part of. How empowering is it to be able to say that you retired your husband? I also feel like in my parents' generation, in my grandparents' generation, they would be like, you don't do that, you know? But like, <laughs> that's such a badass Never, thing. Yeah. yeah, to be able to do. What would you say to people? Because we've had people on the podcast before who are very frank about the fact that what they studied in college is not what they ended up doing. And what advice would you have for people who maybe are just unsure of things or uncertain about what their path might be moving forward? Oh gosh. I mean, it's so hard to make a forever life decision at 19, right? Like when you're doing your degree, like you want to, you know, it seems crazy. Like it should be at like our age when we make that decision. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. I basically would say say to them, don't feel bad about it because I had so many people, especially family members, tell me that I was wasting my degree so many times. Wow. So many times. Waste of the education, waste of money. Wow. Don't that way at all because all of that experience that I had in corporate with a nonprofit, et cetera, literally has set me up for what I'm doing today. So <laughs> leading a team, like hiring and, you know. On- right. Like life so, skills almost. Yeah, pretty much, you know. So yeah, it's kind of crazy to think about where I am now. But yeah, I have no professional like educational background in marketing, but I have learned like over the years, I've gotten like legit experience by actually doing it. I think that's also a testament to how much people can learn right now because of the resources that are at our disposal, right? So if you are a criminology major in college, because I know we have college students listening to this, if you are a criminology major, then you can still almost have like a side hustle of learning paid, you know, for yourself with YouTube videos, courses, everything that's like actually readily available to you. Yeah. There's so much information online and I mean, inexpensive type educational platforms like Udemy or um, yes. YouTube is free. Like when we were in <laughs> college, we didn't have, I mean, God, I sound like a freaking like we're back in our day, you know, it's like, but really back when we were in college, like no one was saying, oh, well, you could just learn this on the side. It felt so definitive. And now it's really cool that people can just go watch videos about things. I still feel like there is a certain knack that people have to have for 
just intuitively understanding these platforms, especially when it comes to paid and keeping up with everything that's happening because everything is changing so quickly. What would you say are some of the biggest misconceptions that people have about paid ads and running paid ads? That they're going to make thousands of dollars in one week. <laughs> New to ads. Yeah. Because you work, sorry, just to like level set here. So Melissa works primarily with public figures, influencers, coaches, right? So mm -hmm. you're almost working with more like individuals than, than maybe like, I would say like, yeah, than brands. But so your context is different, but also same because I think a lot of brands too, when they think that they want to start paid, it's just like, oh, well, we just turn it on and then we just start making money. Yes. That is like the number one big misconception. And I would say probably the second one is the fact that you're not going to have to spend a lot to make money. Mm. <laughs> and then also too, or, or I guess the third point is also they forget about organic. It's like, oh, I'm doing paid mm. and I going to show up on, on social. And I'm like, no. Oh, that's interesting. So they just think that they can do like one or the other. Right. Okay. Let's talk about number two. Cause I think that one is a huge one that I come across too. Cause you hear, especially with a lot of these like gurus out there that say, oh, you just put $5 behind something and then you see what works. And then all of a sudden you're like a millionaire, which is obviously not true. Mm -hmm. When you say it does, it, it's almost like you're saying it takes money to make money. So what are your, like when you have conversations with clients initially, like what do you, how do you set that up with them? I mean, setting realistic expectations, right? And basically outlining everything like, okay, well, do you know your conversion rates? Because if you know like that metric, we can kind of work backwards from mm -hmm. that revenue goal based on like your conversion rates and then like standard industry metrics to really accurately predict, okay, this is what we can expect with this sort of ad spend with this sort of revenue goal. Because some people come in and they're like, all right, I want a six figure launch, but then they don't realize that most of my clients that do make six figures in a live launch, typically it takes anywhere from $2,000 to six. So like it, wow. it really just depends. One on the niche, how much the course is, what their conversion rates are. So like, there's a lot of other factors that get rolled into it. But I think a lot of people think that, oh, it only takes like five to $1,000, like 500 to $1,000 in ad spend to actually make six figures. And it's like, oh, sometimes that's not the case. Like it takes a little bit more than that. So even those huge launches, right? Cause like one of my clients had a $300,000 launch. We spent wow. 20 grand on ad spend. But it was like over time, right? You're seeing what's working, seeing what's not working. And you're kind of like chipping away at like I think for people listening, it's not like that 20 grand was spent all in like a few days, right? Oh, no. yeah. That was over the course of two months. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Interesting. When it comes to paid, what are other things that people, I think a lot of people think that paid is a cure-all to their business and that it's just going to amplify things and make their business so much better. But what are other things that people need to fix within their business before even thinking about paid? Oh, just setting up like the back end, like the foundational back end pieces of your yeah. <laughs> It's like, <laughs> I love how you laugh. It's funny because it sounds so intuitive for us because we're both marketers, but like for a lot of other people, it's like they don't even it's not a thought for them, you know? Right. They just, yeah. they see like the end goal. They're like, all right, well, I, I need to make X amount of revenue next month. This is what I need to do. It's ads, but hmm. you also need to, you know, build the actual funnel to complement the ads. Like the ads are only going to take it so far. Like the funnel is really what carries like majority of the weight when it comes to light launching and evergreen stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about funnels specifically. I think funnels have the word funnels has been definitely very popularized in the last few years with marketing 
thing, but there are still a lot of people when I say funnels to people, they still don't know what they mean. So in your words, what would you, how would you define what a funnel is? Plain and simple, it's a customer journey. So it's like the process you take your customer from, you know, the very first point of them getting like knowing of you, right? That's like the awareness phase. There's like three to four-ish different phases, but I like to just focus on the three. So awareness, consideration, that's like when they're getting nurtured by you, they're learning more about you. They're like, hmm, not really sure about this girl, Sam, but sounds like she's, she knows what she's talking about. <laughs> and then yeah, so they're kind of like a kind of warm, but still kind of like sussing you out a little bit. Yeah. And then bottom of yeah. the pool is literally where you acquire the person as a customer, they buy or they don't buy. So they kind of like either get taken back to like middle of funnel where they get continued to nurture. But I always like to use my bath and body works example. So because like people just can't. What is this? I know. <laughs> now you've caught my attention. <laughs> Let's talk about works. bath and body works. I like to basically use this as an in and out analogy to explain funnels and what it would look like in a sense of like a brick and mortar store because we've all probably been to the mall and we've all probably been in a Bath and Body Works store. Okay, so top of funnel essentially is like you're outside of Bath and Body Works and you see all of their marketing and promos. Like maybe it's like a two for, you get two candles for the price of one or something like that for their three wick candles. So this is kind of like our landing page, right? So we see what this business has to offer. We see what this store has to offer. That's the very beginning before we even enter the store. But once we like literally walk through or we like open the door and we walk into Bath and Body Works, that's literally our middle of funnel, right? So when comparing this to a digital platform, this is like once we said, okay, I'm interested in snagging this lead magnet, let's opt in. And then now we're in the middle of funnel, but back to the Bath and Body Works, we're walking <laughs> through the store, right? We're smelling all the like lotions and like candles and we're yeah. like, mm-hmm, okay, I want to get these two candles, maybe a lotion. We're putting things in our bag, right? We're shopping, we're considering like what to buy. And then by the time you get to the back of the store, cause that's usually where their like cash wrap is or their registers, that's literally bottom of the funnel. So we're handing over our credit card. We're like, all right, we're ready to check out. Maybe we see some sanitizers. That could be like our order bump, right? <laughs> so yeah, right, exactly. Add on to, to our purchase. But yeah, so I like to use that sort of like analogy of like, all right, let's imagine ourselves walking through Bath and Body Works. It's literally the process of our customer journey, like taking them from, you know, a lead to a customer. Mm. What a funnel does. And there's so Love many it. things that are encompassing with a funnel, right? Because like some people are usually confused, like, well, what's the difference between an email sequence and a funnel? And just remember that everything is like helping and working together to get your customer from a lead to a buyer. So that could be your email tags, your email sequences that you're sending out, you know, with automations, your landing pages, your sales pages, like all those things are encompassing of what a funnel does to help your customer come become like a lead to actual like a buyer. Got it. So really it's like funnels are the engine that moves your brand forward in a way. Cause when I think about some brands that just have a landing page and then they're hoping that people are just going to come find their page, <laughs> you know, or a, a person <laughs> who creates like some kind of page. And then they're just like, Oh, well, you know, I, I created the course. Now it's like ready to go. It's like, there's so much more that goes into it. And like, when you're looking at the effectiveness of funnels, how do you evaluate whether something's working or not? Like when you talk about conversions, like if someone gets stuck on the middle of the funnel, the second part, 
start, how do you kind of like diagnose that and fix it? Yeah. So that could be one, looking at your email open rates. Well, basically meaning like, are people even opening the emails that you're sending them? Because then they're not going to be able to get to that sales page or click that button or click that link that you have embedded in the emails. So that's one metric that you can look at. And then two, I'd also look at like your sales page metrics too. How many visitors are you, do you have hitting the page? Maybe you can utilize Hotjar or some sort of heat map so you can like kind of like see what their behavior, what they're doing on the actual page. Mm-hmm. One of my clients actually a failed launch. I'm not going to lie. Like we did all the right things, right? But one of like the biggest things that popped out at me was that people spent nine minutes on the sales page, like on average, nine minutes. So they were genuinely like so intrigued, so interested. They spent that much time, but there was still some sort of disconnect. So to me that like my gut was like, okay, it's probably her delivery on the webinar. She didn't do a very good job of basically explaining the value or maybe she didn't feel confident in explaining the value of the course, or it could be like the messaging right on the sales page. A couple things to diagnose there, but I would definitely one look at email open rates, email click-through rates, and then the sales page, like the stats behind that sales page. So what are the steps? Yeah, that makes sense. What are the steps that you would take then if you see something that's just like not working? Yeah, well, sometimes it's it's hard because you don't know until like the launch is over to really dive right? Funnels are a little bit, obviously they have more flexibility because it's just an ongoing offer that's being offered to cold traffic and then they're nurtured through the funnel. But yeah, looking at all of those metrics there, because sometimes you'll you'll get all these people from the ad, right? They'll leave the ad, they'll go to the landing page, but then they're not converting from there. So it's like, all right, let's look at the landing page conversion. Can we optimize the page for mobile? Sometimes people totally- Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. Yes. Sometimes it's like loading too slow. That's like a a recent like headache that I've been dealing with is like page load speed. It's so incredibly slow. Like that's where you're probably going to lose a lot of conversions there too. So it's like- And I think that happens too, just to jump in for people that are listening. A lot of people get very excited about a new design or using the latest and greatest plugins or tools for your website and everything. And everything is all around the aesthetics. And I think what people don't realize is that page speed is so important because it actually helps someone determine whether or not they should stick around or whether they should leave. And it's also a key metric for Google when it comes to SEO. So they actually look at your page speed to decide whether or not your site's fast enough to rank it higher. So you have to figure out a way to marry the actual experience with like the look and feel. You can't mm-hmm. go 90 90% on one and then expect that everything's going to be fine. Yeah. And most yeah. it's like custom CSS. It's like slowing everything down. <laughs> totally. Yes. It's like extra stuff that people added. Yeah. Images. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What about like when it comes to page lengths, like when we're talking about landing page as part of the funnels, what are like the biggest mistakes that you see when people make, when you see people create landing pages and then just like, does something like length have to do with it? Or what, what do you see as like some issues that people have typically? Usually it is length, but it's because it's not strong enough. They're expecting sales to come from a very brief landing page when it needs to be mm. a lot longer because it's not agitating the pain enough or you know, you're know you not painting the vision of the actual transformation that they're gonna see. So that's usually like the biggest probably mistake is like when it comes to length, it's probably usually the messaging. It's not strong enough. There's like not enough copy there to literally explain what the product is or what the service is. For freebies like lead magnets, it, length doesn't matter, honestly. 
if you are very clear on what they're getting after they opt in, then it shouldn't be a problem getting those conversions to increase. Most of the time, like for freebies, it's the page load speed, like it could be improved or two, like just optimizing like the button to be like higher so that it's above, everything's above the fold. They literally don't have to scroll. They can like read a couple bullet points about what they're actually getting, enter the name and email, boom. Keep it for lead magnets. Yeah. Yeah. What about pricing strategy? What, What are your thoughts on how to price things and what maybe is more appealing to people than other things. I mean, the, the sevens, like 97, 27. Yeah. Plus they're very common right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, but I've seen other people, you know, test like 99 or full dollar amounts. I really don't think it would make a huge difference, but I will say for like tripwires, like a sweet spot, it's definitely like 17 to $27. It has to be like a no brainer sort of offer that complements the, the lead magnet. So just making sure like the offers align mm-hmm. and pricing really shouldn't matter as long as you have the actual, like the value associated with the course and the pricing should also align too. Got it. Okay. So when we talk about the bounce rate, right. And we talk about people spending a lot of time on site, but then not acting on it. What are steps that you take to fix that? Yeah. So not really, I guess I don't really think of it as bounce rate, but it really just comes. Sorry. Down. It's like more like page, page, like time on page, really. Oh, time on page. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, Hotjar is an awesome software. It basically it's a heat map that will record the consumer behavior, like what they're doing. So are they scrolling? Are they tapping? Where are they clicking? Because sometimes they can spend a lot of time, but then not buy. So I think that could be a pricing issue or like an offer issue. Interesting. So we've talked a lot about landing pages, bottom of the funnel, mid of the funnel. Let's get back to top of funnel and like, let's talk about ads a little bit too. What do you see typically with ads when it comes to running awareness campaigns versus conversion campaigns? Because for those of you familiar with ads, there's a few different types of ways that you can run ads. You can optimize for things like awareness. You can optimize for things like conversions. And I know a lot of different people in the ad space have like their own like secret sauce of figuring out like what's (laughs) going to work the best. You know, like, like they might run what's considered like an awareness campaign. And you guys have seen this on Facebook. I mean, every brand does this, but it's more of a campaign that, you know, that gets you to watch a video all the way through, but you might not be clicking versus a conversion campaign is really getting someone to go through and click. How do you, is it different for every client or do you have like a a process that you bring clients through when it comes to paid? Yeah. Such a good question. Since I only focus on like online coaches, digital course creators. We don't do anything e-commerce. It's always usually the same process or like method, but we nice. do video view ad campaigns versus brand awareness because the beauty of video views is that you can retarget <laughs> those video views. Oh, interesting. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. So, so like you can, so just so everyone knows what Melissa is saying is like, okay, someone watches a video and a video view, I think on Facebook is like, it's three seconds, maybe like counts as one view. Right. Yeah. So yeah. you can optimize, well not optimize, but you can basically create custom audiences out of a certain percentage of the video that has been watched and also by three seconds or 10 seconds. So it goes three so seconds, cool. 10 seconds, 25% of the video watched. And then it goes, I think it's 25, 50 
75 and 95 are pretty much all the main ones that I've used before. But you can make custom audiences out of those people that have watched a certain percentage of the video, retarget those people, and then you can also make lookalike audiences. So that's why we love video view audiences so much. That's so <laughs> smart. So like that's kind of like the one two punch of awareness. You have some kind of like educational introductory video and then mm -hmm. you retarget with some kind of like conversion tactic. Yes. It's usually yeah. um, retargeting the video view audience with like a webinar registration ad or a challenge. Yeah. So it's getting them to take action with those conversion campaigns. They're literally asking the person to do something once they leave the ad and it's typically either to opt in or to buy. That's so smart. Okay. So for people listening, when you're watching videos on Facebook or Instagram, just know that you're probably going to be retargeted. Get ready for it. <laughs> Let's talk about ad creative because this is obviously a really big part of successful ads. And I think a lot of people still get this wrong. How do you approach developing creative for ads and really understanding whether or not something is working? Yeah, that's a good question. So I usually start with like a couple headlines and we'll have images of the client on them. And then sometimes we'll use stock images as well. So at least I want to say three to four images that are just like stack static images testing those two different headlines. And then mm. and are these images they're featuring that person? Yeah, usually because my clients are mostly the face of their brand. So right. their warm audience is going to connect with that as well as like cold audiences. They see a person, they can kind of put a face to the brand or a face to the, yes. of the webinar. <laughs> yes. But also pairing it with videos. So I like to test all the things in the very beginning, especially for top of funnel videos are, have always been king because they just, they work so well of stopping the scroll, educating, like we were just talking about the, the video view audience building that, that we do for our clients. It's like gangbusters. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. And then just always like optimizing for not just only the, the lowest cost per result, but like as many results as possible. So, and, and we, the way we optimize, we always look at like certain metrics, like click through rate, link click through rate. So if we're not getting the maximum amount of people clicking through, then we know it's an ad issue. It's probably mm. an issue most of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So you're kind of like a funnel doctor in a way, because you're like diagnosing like every step of the like journey really to understand like yeah. what needs to get tweaked and fixed really. Cause like, I think a lot of people look at the funnel as like one big piece. And I, it, it sounds like what you're saying is like every step needs to be evaluated. All of the metrics need to be evaluated per tactic to really see if something's working or not. Yeah. Unfortunately yeah. it is a holistic process, at least for me. <laughs> I like right. to look at everything. Totally. I mean, that's the right way to do things. What do you think about newer platforms for ads? Like when we think about like a TikTok, for example, and how I've heard of a lot of people having success on TikTok. Are you testing those for your clients? And like, what do you think about even like TikTok ads or Pinterest ads as a yeah. way to drive conversion? Yeah, for sure. So my agency has been beta testing TikTok and Pinterest ads ever since, well, even before the iOS 14 debacle. <laughs> yeah, right. Considering this like in November, last November. So started with Pinterest, obviously testing on my own business. I always like to do that first because why not? Right. But I think TikTok is amazing for e-commerce, even just organic stuff. Mm -hmm. I know one of the girls that I, I buy the these blue light blocking glasses from, she has like a clothing company, not just blue light glasses, but she kills it at TikTok and it's all organic. I mean, there's so many ads, especially for like e-commerce brands and businesses right now on TikTok. I've heard of amazing things about those type of ads, like especially just brand awareness, really. Just being on TikTok and like scrolling through just 
I've been exposed to so many like brand new brands I've never heard of. And then with Pinterest, it's like a slow burner. I'll be honest. Oh, interesting. Mm -hmm. Like what, what does that mean? Like you have to allow more time for testing and just seeing results really? Yeah. Be kind of think back to what type of platform it is. It's like so different than Facebook and Instagram as Pinterest is like a search engine. So like there's a lot right. of like SEO based tactics and skills involved. Like when it comes to like, you know, testing different keywords, broadening those keywords, but yeah, I would say Pinterest is a slow burn, especially most people are brand new, right? When they get Pinterest ad. So like you need to like season the Pinterest tag. Oh, and interesting. That's a really yeah. good point. It's true. Mm -hmm. I've seen amazing results though, for a few other like fellow business owners that I know that, you know, they have like their funnels all moved over to Pinterest as well, or they're testing Pinterest ads there, but like massive conversions, I would say great for e-commerce and any other like business that's just not too saturated. So mm, interesting. Yeah. Everything in general for like B2B is always generally more expensive anyways, when you're looking at like acquisition costs. Yeah. And would you say that B2B lends itself better to certain platforms? Like what about LinkedIn? Yeah. Do you ever test LinkedIn at all? Or is LinkedIn I just have like not? Known, but yeah. I feel like it is definitely, it's great for like, if you have a clientele or like ideal clients that are, you know, corporate or more professional, like executive types. Of yeah. So you almost see like more corporate like audience there versus like a Facebook or Instagram is kind of like a middle ground of like professional, maybe entrepreneur, a little mm -hmm. bit looser in terms of, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. When I tested LinkedIn ads, I just thought they were so expensive for what I ended up getting that I was like, I'm never doing that again. <laughs> like done. Yeah. It was like the cost per, it was like cost per click was, was, I, I won't even say it on the podcast and it was a test. So like, it's fine. But I was like, this is offensive. I'm never doing this again. Thank you, LinkedIn. <laughs> if you're listening, let me know, change your ad model. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was crazy. Yeah. Do you notice any differences? So I did a solo episode, I want to say like a few months back about probably in May, I can't remember about iOS 14.5. So I feel like my listeners are at least like somewhat conditioned to like understanding what happened. But now, you know, we haven't had someone on the podcast. The last time we had someone on the podcast was Dara who's talking about paid and this was in January and everyone was like on the edge of their seat waiting for iOS 14.5 to change. Right. So now you're really the first person where we've talked about ads after the change. What are you seeing is like the biggest differences in running ads on Facebook and Instagram now versus before? Ooh, so many things. I will say yes, costs per, you know, acquisition have definitely like costs have been rising, but only like a couple dollars more than we would typically see like a lead magnet, you know, the cost require lead to come in or a webinar registration. And I do think it depends Wait, on the Quick question. Yeah. Quick question on that. Do you notice that the costs have been rising because more people are running ads or do you think that that's just a result of the iOS 14.5? Yeah, I think it's just a result of the changes in general. Not not that more people are running ads because I don't think they are. If anything, yeah, probably left. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> for me, yeah, it's great for my clients. Yeah, right. On, on <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, and it also depends on the niche too because some of my clients literally have not I haven't seen any change for them because like interesting. Yeah. One of my, one of my clients is like a raw chef, like a raw food chef. And so her ideal clients aren't exactly like other business owners, but her cost per re registration, like her leads a dollar, dollar 80. 
What? Yeah, crazy. That's, I feel like we're gossiping right now. I'm like, that's so efficient. Like, that's crazy <laughs> though. Like, that's actually like, like for people listening, when you think about the cost of just that's, is that the full conversion or that's just cost to get their email? What is that? Yeah, that's just cost for top of email. Yeah, that's still amazing. But yeah, yeah. webinar. Yeah, definitely. It's like obviously we were predicting like a five dollar cost per lead, but it ended up being a lot less than that. So that interesting. We really had to turn the ads off because I was like, well, we hit our lead goals. So <laughs> wow, that's awesome. So you're yeah. almost seeing on your side, like it sounds like there is either not a lot of change or there it's actually helping a little bit, which is interesting. Yeah, and I, I do think you just have to be like a little more diligent about tracking. And I do think that they're probably going to make you know, the KPI, the conversion API, like required. And mm -hmm. I have heard, I don't know if you've heard the Sam, but like, I have heard rumors that they're like going to do away with the Facebook pixels. So implementing Why? the server side, I think just because it's literally not going to be like, it's going to be obsolete, right? Because of the fact that so many people can opt out of iOS like tracking. Oh, so they think it's gotten that bad to the point where it wouldn't even be effective be anymore. Needed. Like it's just yeah. better targeting on behaviors and habits at that point. Yeah. Yeah, that's a rumor. So we don't, we but don't. But then I wonder how you would, how would you though retarget people then? It would be from basically. It would be like, from the platform itself. Top of funnel, yeah, top of funnel stuff. That sucks. Video view. Because I feel like, I read some stats. One of my clients is going to roll her eyes listening to this. If she listens to this, because I've like told her this stat like 12 times in the last week. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> it's just very top of mind for me right now. But I read something crazy about retargeting and how effective it can be in converting people. I think a lot of people just see as annoying like oh these ads are following me around or this brand's following me around but actually the conversion rate i can't remember if it was like in the 40s which is extremely high like mm -hmm. for retargeting people gets people to act again so that would actually be unfortunate if there was no way to retarget people because as much as people hate it it actually does remind people that something is out there because maybe they just you know went to go do something different and forgot about it yeah well this also goes back to like making our point about you know having an actual email list is so important right. because if you're not collecting their email, then how will you track their behavior inside of your own funnel? Right? So yes. it's more about like, okay, let's not rely so much on Facebook to actually track people's behavior. Let's also yeah. utilize our funnel to track abandoned carts and track sales page viewers, you know? So leveraging those sort of metrics inside of your funnel will also help with retargeting too, because you can also manually, like if it came down to this, you could always manually pull a list and retarget those people. Yes. Yeah. So what Melissa is saying to you guys, that's a huge benefit of having a list. Like you don't have a list on Instagram. You can't do that with handles, but you can do that with email, right? And you're able mm -hmm. to take that email list, upload it into the back end of Facebook ads. And there's a lot of different things you can do with that. So it's a huge benefit, not even within email, but actually for, it's a great compliment for other things that you're doing as well. So what would you recommend for someone that wants to get started building out their funnel, building out ads, what are the steps that they need to keep in mind to just get started and actually start to make progress? Yeah. Well, first you got to have some sort of like proven offer, proven service, right? Um, <laughs> know what you're selling. Yeah. yeah. But like, I think a lot of people too, how do they, how do you prove it? It like very top line, like how could someone do that? If they're just creating something kind of in a silo, what is a way that you know that something is good or maybe potentially worthy for other people? Mm. Well, I mean, I would recommend to everyone listening, go back to past previous
previous like client experiences or client success stories that you could potentially draw on draw from because if this is a service that genuinely people need probably pull like messaging and copy from like those prior client experiences but if you don't have a proven product yet i would definitely get your feet wet with some like one-on-one client stuff so that way you can actually prove that hey your services work you know what you're talking about you can prove your authority that way by literally just getting clients under your belt (laughs) and then recording their you know their experience or like screenshotting their you know testimonials because all of that is going to come into play with your funnel and actually showcasing your services and nurturing and nurturing your leads that are coming in because a lot of us especially as consumers we want to know that one this product or service has worked for somebody else we don't want to be like the first person to experiment (laughs) to see if it's totally yes yeah you're not going to be the first person unless you're giving me like a fat discount for it you know like that's not going to happen i also think too for people listening because i'm on the other side of things because i work with brands but it's all the same stuff the same process what melissa is talking about it's the same exact process like i've seen a lot of clients have success let's say they were going to coming out they were going to do a new product launch i've had clients do something as simple as literally with their instagram audience do a story survey of like having people pick certain things and then they use that as like a mini uh, consumer research thing to then decide what they launch yet or next so it's it's a great way to vet things instead of just pulling Mm -hmm. it out of your ass honestly and being like well i think this could work it's like quick diligent research to really see and then i love your point about testimonials could be the same thing with reviews right what do people touch on that they really love about your brand and how can you transform that into something that could help them even more so okay first step proven product then what happens after that the client testimonials right so having sort of like some social proof that you can't leverage and put on like the landing page or the sales page in order to promote the offer and then really knowing like your ideal client what Mm. are they thinking you know like their pain points how can you convey the transformation that you're actually going to provide and paint that picture of like what life could be like with this product, this offer, this service. We think like it really comes down to like messaging and how valuable that product or service or offer that you are promoting is. Love it. What would you say to people who maybe want to get started with a course or get started even becoming like a coach or a teacher? Like how do people start there? How do people start? I feel like you need it. You need an audience, right? You need to start building a community. Literally start having conversations with people, even if that means like behind the scenes. It doesn't have to be, you know, so public or front facing. Um, Yeah, because I think that's a huge concern with some people, right? Like maybe someone's in a job that they hate, but they secretly want to be a coach for something. But then there's like this feeling of like embarrassment or concern that like someone's going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like that's probably what most people start with, especially if they have like a nine to five and they Mm -hmm. want to start a side hustle. Literally all it takes is like getting your first client. Like I would say that would, that should be like your first goal. (laughs) Start being an audience and like try to land your first client. And then it probably will start snowballing from there. Cause that's literally how I started, right? Started with one client and I was like, just determined. I was like, if I can get one, I can get more. (laughs) Yes, totally. I love it. Okay, let's talk about what you're working on and how people can work with you. Yeah, so we're actually taking more clients for ad management. So if you are a digital course creator, online entrepreneur, business coach, we work with a lot of business coaches, but if you're looking for 
an ad team. I like to think of us as like an extension of your own team. So we do done for you Facebook and Instagram ads. So copies included images, and we would love to see if it'd be a good fit so we can get. Yeah. Love it. And where can people find you? My handle on Instagram is Litchfield Media and then litchfieldmedia.org is our website. Cool. And I'll put that in the show notes. Yay. Awesome. Okay, cool. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you so much, Melissa, for coming on the podcast. I felt like I learned something new and I hope you guys learned something new too. Make sure to go check out Melissa on Instagram. I'll have all of the details in the show notes. Also make sure to check out her website. And if you have any questions for her after listening to that episode, go ahead and shoot her a DM on Instagram. She's super responsive. I'm sure she'd love to hear from you guys. And if you loved today's episode or if this episode resonated with you at all. First, let me know. I have uh, contact info in the show notes at our website. So go ahead, contact me there. I would love to hear about what you're liking, what you're not liking. If you like the educational episodes and the mix of founder stories, or you'd like to see more of one versus the other, like just tell me, I would love to hear that feedback. And if you liked this episode and you want to hear more of it, a podcast review always helps. So thank you guys so much for listening and I will catch you in next week's episode. 